0: Hey everybody, this is Troy, one of the pastors at First Church of the Nazarene. Thank you for listening to the podcast. It is a glimpse into the life of our church. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus. And we are committed to join God in the remaking of all things. I pray that this sermon is a blessing and helps you join God today. If we can serve you in any way, we would love to... Please get a hold of us at LafayetteNASC.org. Have a great day. Pretty soon everybody's going to get hungry. I just actually was at a membership information brunch. If you weren't there this morning, then you missed out. And uh, if y'all don't know uh, Jay Sanders yet, you should know Jay Sanders yet. Let me tell you about Jay Sanders. The boy can eat some bread. There's some bread there this morning. There's not nearly as much bread left now. Because Jay was in the house. I love bread. Um, any kind of bread. I know we're not supposed to love bread these days, right? Bread is bad. Carbs. Bad bread. All of this stuff. For those of you this morning who have an allergy or you're, you're allergic, um, like you have that gluten allergy or celiac disease, my heart literally goes out for you. And I don't want to make your plight any worse than you already know that it is. But can we be honest here? Listen, one of the great joys in life, fresh, homemade, warm, you smell it all day. I take bread in all of its forms. Amen. Amen. A whole loaf. Donuts. Is that bread? Because I like donuts. I take, take bread in the form of donuts any day. Love, love bread. And we have a story this morning in Scripture. It's about bread. I've preached this story so many times, but I've never preached it this way. I, usually when I preach this story, like I, I focus in on what's happening in the story. So we talk about the miracle of multiplication. And so we know, we talk about the resources that were given, and then the amount of resources that were distributed. So how many loaves? were given that day, five, and how many fish were presented. There was just, there was just two, and there was 5,000 5, adults were there, seated down on grass, five loaves and two fish, and those were, were about to be portioned out to everyone who was there. And we were going to have, like, a really bad scene where all of the people are clamoring and scraping around. I don't know if you've ever seen... Well, yeah, you've seen these scenes before. It's like when your preschoolers are demanding snacks and somebody shows up with a box of snacks and the biggest kid always gets the snacks first because the biggest kid knows how to throw elbows and throw their weight around. That's what was about to happen in this story. And so when I have preached this story before, I've preached about that miracle of multiplication. That somehow, miraculously, these resources just kept being... Like they showed up more and more and being produced more and more and more. And so then when you preach this sermon, which that's a completely legitimate way to preach this passage of Scripture, when you preach that that sermon this way, what you get is this reality of the abundant love of God that always gives to God's people exactly what God's people need. And listen, if you're here this morning and you find yourself in a place where the resources are scarce, and you're not sure that God has enough to meet your need, I want you to know that this passage of Scripture might be saying to you that that narrative, that story that you've begun to believe is is completely a lie. That, That the provision of God, even though it seems meager, that something happens through the power of God's Spirit where it just speaks keeps being produced and produced and produced in abundance exactly when we need it. Now, I'm going to get to preaching this sermon. I I don't want to preach this sermon. I'm about to get to preaching this sermon. The reality is is that the resources that God had for his people were for that day. Were for that day. You, You know, like, these days you go to the grocery store and a loaf of bread is so laced up with preservatives, it can last for a while. But back in the day, before science allowed us to keep bread fresher, bread spoiled quick. We still haven't figured out how to make a fish last for a long time. Some of y'all going to those sushi joints for lunch today, you're going to want to ask them, when did that sushi show up? Like, if it was three days ago and it's just been sitting out, not so great But the resources that God had for his people in that place at that time were for that place and for that time. So listen, if you're here this morning and you needed to hear that sermon, I want you to hear it. God will provide. He might just provide what you need for today, but he will. So I've preached that sermon that way, then I've also preached it like um, like focusing in like you're the disciples. So, you know, in that sermon, you and I, we are the ones who are obedient, right? Um, the, the disciples are the ones who scan the crowd looking for the resources. They spot some boy with five loaves and two fish and they con him. You know, they con him out of handing that thing over. Or they sweet talk him. Whatever they do, they're good salespeople. Um, and they, they, they obtain those resources. They organize the crowd and distribute the bounty. When, when everybody's been fed, the disciples are the one who go around and gather up all the scraps, the remnants. And then when the time comes for solitude, they're the ones who hustle Jesus off to like a quiet place, away from like the enthusiasm of the crowd. And so... In that sermon, you and I, as the disciples of Jesus, we are the ones who bridge Jesus and people. We function as that bridge, and we play that really important supporting role. We're the distributors as well as the recipients of the gifts of God. So God has the gifts. We're the first to receive the gifts, but the gifts aren't for us. They're not just for us to keep to ourselves. They're for us us to distribute to the people and to pass along. And so there's hungry mouths, and, and, and as we are feeding, somehow we're also being fed. There's this really cool thing that happens when we recognize that, that God is, is wanting to use us to accomplish a mission. Like we're, The mission is to serve this people, but we need to be served too, but somehow in serving, we end up being served. It's this really remarkable thing that begins to happen in our lives as we recognize ourselves as the one who are, are, are obedient. And listen, preaching that sermon that way is really good. And some of you might need to hear that today, that because you find yourself so caught up in wanting to be and wanting to become the person that God has for you, that you want, you, you want to say yes. And I honor that and I respect that. You want to say yes to God. And as you're saying yes, you, you also realize that, you still need to be fed, and I wanna I want to tell you this morning that keep saying yes and, and God will keep giving you what you need as you say as you say yes. So when I preached this sermon, those are the two ways that I've I've preached it before, but I think there's another one. And it just kinda the Lord kinda opened this up for me a couple couple weeks ago. What if there's a way of, of reading this and hearing this and finding ourselves as the bread? What if we're the bread? Now listen, I don't, want, I don't want us to think that that means that we're the bread of life. We're not equal with God. Let's not, convince, let's not deceive ourselves of that. We're not the bread of heaven. None of those things. But imagine, if you could with me this morning, that you and I are, are represented by those five simple barley loaves. Barley loaves. And barley loaves are what are in this story. And some of y'all might say, listen, I'd rather be the fish. I'd rather be the fish. But I mean, the fish were probably sardines, and I'd rather be a loaf of bread than a sardine, but the same thing applies. So what, what if you were the bread? Here's what it would mean. It, it means that God can work miracles with plain stuff plain people, ordinary people, unimpressive, raw sorts of people. And we know this, of course. I think think we know it in our head, but I want to preach it this morning in such a way that it makes its way into our hearts. The The disciples, they like express this sentiment when they say, So that they've identified, hey, we've got this kid. The kid has five loaves and two fish. And what do they say? What good is that? What good is that? And what they mean is that this is unimpressive. It's simple. It's cheap. What good could it really be? And that's kind of the nature of bread, right? Bread is, it's just simple. In fact, The most famous bread recipe here in America is by the famous food writer by the name of Mark Bittman. Some of you fancy pants people might be familiar with Mark Bittman. Mark Bittman writes for the New York Times cooking section. And he also produces recipes every once in a while. And the most famous bread recipe in the New York Times cooking section belongs to Mark Bittman. And these are the ingredients. Flour yeast, salt, and water. That's it. Flour, yeast, salt, and water. And that day, on, in that scene, the loaves that Jesus receives are not like something that we would go to Panera and they would call artisan, or something that like it's beautifully and well-decorated, like, sweet revolution at the farmer's market. Can I get an amen, by the way, for that whole scene? They're, they're not fancy six-dollar, I don't even know how to pronounce these words, B-O-U-L-E-S. boules, boulets, whatever that is. It's not anything like that. It's nothing like that at all. It's, it's the working person's staple, that piece that they break off to put in their lunch pail. Plain. Simple, straightforward. But what happens when plain and simple and straightforward things get into the hands of God? God does something miraculous, something phenomenal, something life changing and life giving. And why are we surprised? This is what God always does. This is the story of Christmas, it's the story of a baby. In a horse trough. This is the story of Easter. It's the story of a couple of rough pieces of wood formed together to make a cross. God always takes ordinary stuff, unassuming stuff, simple stuff, what good is it kind of stuff. God takes that stuff and he receives it into his hands. And somehow, as God takes it, it becomes this means of life-giving grace for the whole world that changes the course of lives. Before it was welcomed and received into the hands of God, it was flour and it was yeast and it was salt, and it was water. It was wood to form a manger and wood to form a cross. But God takes it all in. And as God takes it all in, it, it turns into something pretty special, miraculous. And so if we're the bread, if, if God can generate a miracle from a lumpy loaf of working person's bread, Can I invite you to imagine this morning the possibilities of what God can do with you and with me? Here's the good news. The good news is that the transforming love of God is greater than our simplicity. It's greater than our scarcity. It's greater than our fear. The transforming love of God can even overcome our excuses, our mistakes. It has the power to multiply generosity and righteousness. And so what Jesus does is he doesn't say of those five loaves what the disciples say. The disciples say, what good is that? That's not going to get the job done. What Jesus says is, come on, bring it to me. Bring it to me. And I think a lot of us in this room, we feel like we look at our lives and we think, we think of ourselves, what good am I? What good is it? I mean, what really can I do? I don't have, like, I'm not artisan. I'm not, nothing fancy, don't have a ton of resources, not a lot in my pedigree. Simple. What, what good is it? And the invitation of Jesus this morning is, come on. Come on. So Jesus takes that bread, and here's what he does. The first thing he does, how crazy is this? He doesn't take it and look at it and be like, Phew, I got my work cut out for me. I mean, this is going to be really hard. Or, hey, guys, can't you come up with something better? I mean, look at these things. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He takes it and he thanks God for it. He thanks God for these simple, simple things that he holds in his hands. He gives thanks and he acknowledges these simple things are a gift from God. Because God is the one who ultimately creates the universe. God is the one who ultimately sustains the universe. It's through God through whom all things are made. And and Jesus receives this stuff. And it doesn't look like much stuff to you and me. But he thanks God for it. I'm always reminded on my mind, and it's probably because of the season of life that I'm in, where almost everything is filtered through that lens of, raising a child. But listen, children, they just give you reactions that are so natural. Like, there's no filter there, you know. There's nothing to, there's no social norms that have been put in place yet. Encourage them as you may to, like, behave in a certain kind of a way. There's this primal thing that takes over, especially in the lives of three and four and five-year-olds, two-year-olds. Whew, Lord help us. Two-year-olds. All of those things. And so, I'm reminded of when our children receive gifts for their birthday and the grandparents are all gathered around and you've told the child, no matter what you receive, what do you say? Thank you. Yeah, I say thank you. You know, you tell them you always say thank you. And for some things, it's easy to say thank you. So they open up the present and it's the toy they wanted or it's the toy they never expected. And they're thrilled. And so it's quite natural. It's just easy for them in that moment to say, Oh my goodness, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And bonus points if you run up and give a hug. You know, that, that whole thing. But then there's other things. Like clothes. Or books. Where the package is opened. And they're throwing the clothes out to see if, there's, if that's like some sort of like wrapping paper and the real present is still underneath, right? And they're throwing the clothes out and they look and there's just no reaction. There's no thank you, nothing. Jesus receives this stuff. The disciples have already said of this stuff. What good is it? But when Jesus takes it, He he doesn't have that kind of a reaction. He says, thank you. Thank you. I want you to hear this morning that what Jesus was doing as he was giving God thanks for this simple bread is he was preparing this bread to become a blessing for everybody who was there day he was preparing it. By thanking it, he was preparing it to be this blessing. And if we're the bread, how often do you and I, and check your ego here, but how often when you look in the mirror at yourself in the morning or you examine your life before you go to bed, how often do you and I actually think of ourselves as a blessing to other people? Not in a sort of like an egotistical sort of a way, how often do you and I actually believe that we are wonderfully made? That we recognize ourselves as the, in the way that God recognizes us. I think we're prone to seeing ourselves as ordinary, but how often do we see ourselves as something and someone that can bless the world as we're given over to the hands of God? I mean... In the midst of your life, not on your best day, but in the midst of your life as you battle with depression or anxiety or you struggle with the amount of money you, you receive in your paycheck and you think of your shortcomings in your life, in your normal everyday life, how often do you actually think of yourself, I am God's handiwork and he is preparing to use me as a blessing. Because we live in this world where everybody else seems to be better off, better off financially, better off emotionally, better off relationally, better off physically. It's it's difficult for us to believe that we actually could be anything or anyone worthwhile. That's really hard for us to believe. And so to to quote the disciples, we think of ourselves, "What, what good is it? What good is that? Or what good are we? Or what good... Am I? And instead of doubting ourselves, we're invited in this story to understand that as we are in the hands of God, he is thanking God for us and preparing to use us as a blessing to the world. And there's at least one little other aspect of this as we place ourselves into the perspective of bread. So after Jesus takes these little loaves of bread, after he thanks God for these ordinary things, this is what Jesus does. He breaks them open and distributes them to the crowd. And everybody there received all that they wanted. And when the people were satisfied, Jesus told His disciples go and get the fragments, the remnants. Go and get those fragments that are left over so that nothing could be lost. And two things about that part of this story. First, the people who were there were satisfied. They were satisfied. 5,000 people is a lot of people. I cannot imagine trying to cater an event for 5,000 people. That's so many mouths. And if... If 1,000 of them can eat like Jay Sanders can eat, we're all in trouble. But as the disciples distributed this bread amongst the people, everybody had what they needed or what they wanted. And for the 5,000 people to have all that they needed from those five loaves of bread meant it kept multiplying and multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. It was bread that kept on giving. It kept on giving. But in order for the bread to be able to give, it had to be broken. It had to be broken, torn up, and passed around. And what was left over was a fragment. Now, that's another word, right? You and I, I think we can share in that that sometimes we feel fragmented. Do you ever feel fragmented? Sometimes I feel fragmented. Do you ever find yourself spread so thin that you feel like you could crumble It could break apart at any moment. Do you ever wake up and you wonder, how am I going to meet every need and satisfy every demand that I'm looking at on the calendar of this day? Surely that's exactly how those five loaves of bread felt if they could feel something as they're looking out at the crowd. And I don't say any of this to sound crazy or trite or whatever, but I say it to remind us that the work of the kingdom, God's work, is exhausting. It's exhausting. And the work of this world is exhausting. And if we're trying to satisfy the hunger and meet all of the needs, the multitude of demands, we become torn apart and fragmented just like the bread in this miracle story. And remember, this It's a story of abundance. It's a story of multiplication. But it comes exactly after a story in John's gospel where the the disciples were exhausted. They were exhausted. And when the people were satisfied, Jesus told his disciples, Go, go and get the leftovers. And then he says this, So that nothing will be lost. Nothing will be lost. In the midst of all of the multitude, Jesus who is the bread of life and the good shepherd, the one who seeks out the lost and safeguards their well-being. If we are the bread in this story, Jesus is sending us out to satisfy the needs and the longings and the wants and the desires of his people, but he's also looking after us. He's looking after us to keep us safe. God's people have been promised this gathering with the Lord from ancient times. And the prophet Jeremiah proclaimed, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord, I will listen. I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all of the lands. I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. Whenever God is looking after his people, God is not okay with even a fragment or a remnant or, of a, or a scrap being lost, God is always going to gather that back up. And if you feel today kind of fragmented, if you feel like you've been broken and distributed and, and there's just pieces left over, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Doing the work of God in this world is hard. It's exhausting. But I also need to tell you the truth. Just as God sends you out, he will also gather you back. He'll look after you and take care of you and make sure to bring you back home. Make sure to bring you back home. We're concluding today a a series of sermons called The Hills Will Die on. For four weeks, we've talked about, we will draw a line in the sand on this. We'll make a claim and we'll stick to it. So we talked about, through the lens of scripture, how we understand that we really were made for this. That God made us for a purpose in a time such as this. We talked about how, using that story of name and dipping into the what we've got to be remade. We've got to be remade. What got us here will not get us there. We've talked about how, as the people of God, we're invited to live like tomorrow. That beautiful world that God has for us is today. Last week, we talked about the fourth hill that we will die on. We talked about how you and I, we have one job. One job, and it's to make disciples. And today... This is the other place where we'll land. We only have one role. One role. You and I were bred in the hands of God. He thanks God for us. He breaks us open, and distributes us to the world. That's our job. That's our role. We're the bread.